0: and welcome to Season 2 of the Back in the Day podcast. I'm your host, Gary. This is Episode 10, Why the 90s Was Great for a Fan. As always, we are recording this virtually and I welcome my guest, James. How are you, mate? All good, thank you. Yeah, all good, all good. Looking forward to a bit of reminiscing this afternoon with you. Um, So I'll give uh, this a bit of context on how we know each other. Basically, um, probably my... Sort of oldest mate really. We've known each other since we were four years old. Um, similar to Tom, who was in episode two, um, and Yoentz, who was in uh, uh, Wednesday's episode uh, with Mark. Uh, we've known each other since since the age of four really, and grown up together at primary school, and then just playing football together really. And and then uh, a few years ago, you were desperate for a coach and uh, got in touch, didn't you? Yep,
1: yeah, solid. Well, partnership we
0: are Yeah, so we've just gone full circle, really, and and now obviously playing together and and coaching as well. So um, that's yeah, that's the context for our listeners. Um, before we talk about our topic today, um, I'd like to go through some comments and a debate from episode nine, which was "It never came home." Now um, we've got some comments here, so bear with me. So we've got uh, Donna said, um, I actually remember some of the games and moments mentioned as I used to watch them with my dad and thought it was really good uh, reminiscing on those games and those players. Um, Michael from the 80s and 90s football on Twitter said, um, he's gone with um, Yo's team. Uh, he chose the same formation um, and eight of his players were in his team. He enjoyed the debate always good fun uh, uh, fun, and always throws up talking points. Um, and his team, he added in, um, he said, he added in David Platt and Paul Inks into it. He thought they uh, deserved a, a shot in the team. But, yeah, it's pretty much um, in line with Yo's team, really. Um, and then we had... Um, he also he added about he went for the Terry Vanderbilt's Christmas tree formation as well. Um, so, and he did mention about David Platt, go back to David Platt, a major part for England, 90 to 95 and his return of 27 goals in 62 appearances. He's better than most strikers. So yeah, fair play to uh, for bringing that up. That's a really good point about David Platt. Uh, Paul, um, who's, uh, who's been on the podcast a couple of times said he really enjoyed the uh, debate he voted, added a, a suggestion, similar to Johansy's team, but two up top like Mark's. Um he had Seaman, Gary Neville Adams, Ferdinand, Pierce, Gascoigne, Robson, Skulls, Barnes, Lineker, and Shearer. Um bit of balance, thinks Gascoigne could roam, Skulls might is has the intelligence to drop deeper. Um yeah, so uh went with that. Uh, it's sort of a common thread. Fred's here as well, you, James, as well, coming in, you went with Yo's team as well, and you made a comment saying, still can't believe David Batty didn't get a look in each team. Well, he
1: was a class player, wasn't he, David Batty? Obviously, David.
0: Missed the penalty to knock us out of the World Cup. <laughs> yeah, he, he did. Played for some good clubs, David, David Batty, but, yeah. Um, yeah, a, there's a lot of players that could have gone in or not gone in. Really, um, I think. Yeah, hint of hint of sarcasm with yours. I think with David Pay. I think. Um, so basically, for our listeners, uh, thank you all for voting as well. In the end, we had. Um, I stopped here today. Mark sent me the response and the uh, little pie chart of it. Uh, reluctantly, I think, um, but it was 22 votes to 12, so 34 responses in total. 64.7% to Johans and 35.3% to Mark. So, Yo won the debate, uh, his team. Uh, but again, there was you know questions there with people when, when they commented little tweaks on the team, potentially playing two up front as well. Um, so, I, I think it's hard to agree, isn't it, on a perfect England 11th from the 90s. But they did a really good job of it. And I'm sure, James, you would have a go at that yourself, wouldn't you, and try and pick your own?
1: Yeah, I'd have the Arsenal back four in there, I think.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely with the old offside, their round up. Yeah, <laughs> off, yeah, definitely. Well, back five, you'll have semen as well, won't you? So, um, yeah, so basically, those were the comments. Thanks for getting involved, people, on that, on the debate. Um, so let's crack on with episode 10, then. So our title is Why the 90s Was Great for a Fan. Would you ex- like to explain the title, James, to our listeners?
1: Um, yeah, we grew up in the 90s. That's where football really began for us, wasn't it? Um, all started in a good way. World Cup Italia 90. And I think it all kicked on from there, really. Got all the memories and all that. So that's good. Good times.
0: Yeah, I think yeah, obviously that was and that's predominantly what this podcast is about for me is is talking and reminiscing about those times and the nineties football. And um, yeah, we like you said, we grew up with it and really enjoyed it as well. Um, hence I'm into episode twenty here. So uh um so we're gonna go through some topics today for our listeners and, and James is sort of gonna give an insight into those different things which um which makes the nineties a great um, great for a fan really um, And then we just create some talking points and things And um, yeah, hope you enjoy it and, uh, in this episode So, um, first topic we're going to talk about is the introduction of Sky Sports And the influence of that um, What did you think of that James?
1: Yeah, Sky Sports come about in the mid-90s I believe Like maybe 94, 95 um, it just changed football didn't it altogether really the way we watched it. I remember on a Saturday afternoon before that I remember checking teletext for a football results and that then you get Sky Come On, give you soccer Saturday and stuff like that.
0: Yeah, out of interest, I was on a um, I was on a Zoom yesterday with some friends and uh their kids can believe that um, you know, teletext and things like that. But we brought that up, yeah. Teletext used to watch the results coming and um yeah, often it was uh Bad news for me as a West Ham fan, but better news for you in the nineties as an Arsenal fan.
1: Yeah, I remember sitting around my nan and granddad's all the time, just having teletext on, at like watching it like four forty-five just as the results were coming in. It's Just yeah, couldn't believe we used to watch you like that. Kind of no, no,
0: and then obviously Sky Sports come in, and then you know, you like you said before, like you know, it's become more more than a ninety-minute match, wasn't it? The coverage was seen to be more as well.
1: Yeah, when Sky Sports first started, they started doing um two hour build up to the game. Mm. I think that was too long, really. But then they cut it down to an hour before the game. Then obviously they'd do about an hour after the game now, didn't they? Of all the interviews and all post match, pre match stuff. So.
0: Yeah, they really sort of. Um, I think it was like it was really trying to sell the Premier League, wasn't it, back then? Uh, yeah. That's what they wanted to do. And I think hence the extra sort of coverage. But I talked to Paul about this on a previous podcast as well, the different things that player can come in. Uh, the touchscreen analysis, I mean, all of that as well, the just uh, different uh, different times, wasn't it? It's, it all started there, really.
1: Yeah, like when it first came out with the touchscreen thing, it was absolutely amazing, wasn't it? And it was like, oh, what's all this like, touchscreen coming in? And now, it, we're so advanced now. But at the time, it was just different class to see them analysing the game of all the...
0: Touchscreen, the way they've done it, and everything it was good. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, and it was yeah, it was born from the nineties really, and basically Sky obviously uh, created more money um, really in, in the game, and that's why we we are where we are now really. Um, it's a large part of that, the introduction in the Premier League and Sky and the amount of money, um, and that that sort of led into kind of. You know, more. we were talking about more foreign imports coming in, wasn't we? We're going to talk about that a little bit later on. Um, but players from all over all over the world were coming to the Premier League, wasn't they?
1: Yeah, as soon as money got introduced, that's when you see all these foreign players start coming in. Uh, there was a few before that trickled in, but as soon as the money hit, teams were just filling up, weren't they, with foreign players spending money galore? So.
0: Yeah, that's it. Yeah, definitely. Um now, our next topic we're gonna to come on to is linked really to Sky. So I think I'll introduce the first the first ones. We're gonna talk about commentators um back in the day. And we're gonna start we start with Martin Tyler, Andy Gray, Richard keys because really that was when when it all started. Martin Tyler's obviously still around now. Uh, Andy Gray and Richard Keyes for for, <laughs> for reasons that we're we'll probably about to discuss on here about people I think everyone knows. Um but um yeah, um, I think they do, be in sports now, I don't know, I think. Yeah, something like that, I'm not too sure. But something something like that, but what, attitude? did you think, like, with the coverage with them, like, in the 90s, can you remember much from it? That
1: was football, wasn't it? You hear their voices, and it was just football every Sunday afternoon. Like, to be honest, I miss them now, not being on there, and I know they've got pro footballers on there now, but back then, I just thought their coverage was great.
0: Yeah, I, I think so as well. I think um, I think they had a real sort of camaraderie actually. I think they've started to get that a little bit with Neville and Carragher, I think, on there. But yeah, um Martin Tyler, and Andy Gray and Richard Keys, they used to have a real sort of it's sort of like Lad's banter, wasn't it? Sort of uh, back like then. The
1: of
0: yeah, and Richard Keys used to wear if you Look back, Richard Keys used to wear absolutely awful suits, but at the time, 90s, that seemed to be the fashion. But, like, bright red and green and his ties for, like, I don't know, all sorts of different colours. It's funny to look back on now. So, but yeah, we've got got those commentators as well. Um, let's talk about probably one of the most iconic ones, a um, lot of work on the BBC at the time. John Motson.
1: Famous for one thing. <laughs> Lovely big jacket.
0: <laughs> yeah, the old sheepskin. Yeah,
1: and I was—I remember some of his commentary, mainly on um, like FA Cup games and that. Funny enough, I was watching a clip earlier on of um, when Wrexham beat Arsenal in the FA Cup.
0: Oh yeah, ninety-two.
1: Yeah, listening to the commentary on there and that uh,
0: and back some memories. Well, that, that's bad memories in terms of uh, Arsenal, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> but yeah, no nah. cracking. Mean- he's like synonymous with FA Cup, isn't he? And like, um, like that famous commentary, I think like the, the Radford goal as well. Um, like in, in the eighties or yeah, I think that was eighties, but yeah, the, like you talked about the Arsenal, Wrexham one as well. Um, yeah, very much associated seems to be with like with the FA Cup and the coverage, like on BBC, uh, before sort of the introduction of Sky, obviously he he did obviously continue to, to commentate as well. Um, and, and that brings us into um, kind of another one, really. Barry Davis, who's, you know, considered a, just an absolute legend, isn't he, in the, the commentary. And I remember this one. Um, I mean, we've talked about Euro 96 on here with Andy uh, previously. Um, but, you know, when he goes, oh, no, South when Southgate missed the penalty, just literally just, oh, no. And it was like, he was proper there as like a fan, not just as like a, a commentator. Telling it as
1: a fan is different, isn't it? Like, I don't know, when you're a commentator, you get you try not to get involved with either team, but obviously he's a big England fan as well.
0: Yeah.
1: I think it hurt him when he uh, had to commentate on that. But
0: Yeah, definitely, yeah. Um, and yeah, he had a, a great career, Barry Davis. And like Brian Moore, another legend as well, um, obviously passed away in 2001, which is unbelievable now, thinking about how, how long ago that was now. But he was like very much like ahead of his time as well. Um, you know, the, the coverage in the 70s, 80s, like Jimmy Hill as well on there and, and that coming to the 90s as well, Brian Moore. He's very much ITV, wasn't he, Brian Moore, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And then we're going to talk a little bit about Gazette for Boy Talia later as well. Peter Brackley. I remember his voice. Yeah. I iconic. It's only like talking about this. I like his name sort of jogged into my memory. Uh, but, yeah, you'd, you'd recognise the voice anywhere, Peter Brackley. Was, um was particularly Italian football, wasn't it, 90s? Yeah, I was
1: quite a, um, addicted to Italian football, to be honest, in the early 90s through to probably mid-90s. Yeah. And I um, yeah, no, listened to him every week. Part of my Sunday, that was it Yeah.
0: And that's the thing, isn't it? You've become like... These commentators started to become like a household name, didn't they? You know, they're in, your, they're in your living room with you. And not that they wasn't like back in the day. Obviously, you know, you've got famous commentators in the past, um, obviously. But, yeah, we obviously be talking about 90s and that. And they've, they've become quite well known over time. Um, Alan Parry um, as well. of uh, Obviously, the Parry Magique chant that me and Zav used to do. He took come on one of these episodes as well. But another good commentator. He was number two behind Brian Moore. I always remember these. these, I mean, Jonathan Pearce is still commentating. Uh, I think Alan Green is as well, actually. But very much, first of all, it was like radio because when we were growing up, um, obviously, we talk about the introduction of Sky Sports and things, but I didn't have Sky originally. Like, um, I think you had cable, didn't you, originally, if I remember? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I think you had cable originally. And it was like, I'll go around to James's and watch watch the football. Used to listen to a lot of it on the radio. Alan Green like his voice just always used to stick in my mind like that sort of thick Northern Irish accent. And I remember one, I remember like where I was driving, definitely, well, I wasn't driving, my dad was driving, but I think we were driving back from like West Ham coaching or something, it was football training or something. And, um, and it was West Ham and it's Luton and I think it was, the, it was um, I'm sure it was the Cup, the Cup, and uh, Scott Oates scored three goals, and we went out. But I remember that commentary because so I was like, and I was around Romeo Corner, and I remember it like, like it was yesterday. Um, and just but his voice, his commentating was like one that really stuck with me, Alan Green.
1: I don't really know of him. I think there is a voice, it probably isn't. I'll have a listen after this, and I'll see. Yeah.
0: You'll reckon, you'll reckon, as soon as you hear it, you'll recognise it. Yeah. Just famous commentary, Alan Green, you'll remember it. Maybe not West Ham, Luton. <laughs> you might not find that. I don't
1: remember that Scott I remember that game actually. To be fair,
0: yeah, it was uh, Steve Potts. Who I love, Steve Potts, and he he made a mistake, and Scott Oaks run through and scored the third goal. So um, yeah, I mean, commentators were great, and like we said, I think that's carried on now. We you know we talk, go back to Martin Tyler, and you know that quite iconic sort of Aguero commentary when Man City won the league. Um, you know, that stays with us. Um, you talk about, like, you know, different moments, whatever. I, I, again, one um, it was Gary Neville's birthday the other day, so on Twitter, it come up like the, the finest commentary ever. Do you remember when Torres went round the goalkeeper in the new Camp? Oh, yeah. And he did that weird sort of scream thing. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, it's funny what you can remember. But, yeah, 90s going into like, the noughties, we, we remembered that. And it was like you said, there was more coverage from Sky Sports so we were listening to more football and things like that, and watching more on TV as well. Um, so we go back to kind of the introduction of Sky Sports, which obviously meant more money for the Premier League as well. And we're going to talk about foreign imports, first of all. Just We're going to pick out some. Ja- uh, for James is an Arsenal fan, so we're going to concentrate on some Arsenal foreign imports, first of all, that, who kind of influenced your time watching football and, and things like that. And then we're going to look at some other teams as well um, and some of the players that you, you remember from when they come over and what, you know, there was a buzz about them coming over and so on and so forth. So um, I'll let you go through them and I'll sort of uh, chip in from my memories as well because you've got some, yeah, some good ones on this list.
1: Yeah, we'll start off in the early 90s, 1990, 1991, 90, and there's Limper, yeah. you must remember me being around your house, playing in your garden all the time, being limpar, banging goals in. I used to yeah. love them.
0: Well, and then it. I was Julian Dix and I put you up in the
1: air. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, after after limpar, we had um, John Jensen, don't know if you remember him.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, going back to just limpar, yeah, I mean, our, our, I remember him as well, purely cut through you, really, because you've been an Arsenal fan, and you used to love limpar than you, as you said. And he used to play on the left. And I think when you sort of, had, um, in that, around that time, you started playing on the left midfield as well, didn't you? Yeah,
1: you were left back, weren't you? And I was left
0: midfield. Because, yeah. Yeah, you know, a little combo. That's it. And you used to do, yeah, yeah, yeah. And just limp a bit down the, down the line. It was both footed as well, Limpar. He could go uh, right and left. And then, John, yeah, John Jensen, I remember, because it was 92, wasn't it? Um, he scored that weldy, didn't he, in the, the Euro 92 final for Denmark. When you know, obviously, that went that went and won it against Germany, which was uh, which was a phenomenal achievement, and he, he was sort of bought on the back of that, wasn't
1: he? Yeah, bought him on the back of that, thinking we're going to see screamers every week, and for two years he didn't score a goal, and finally QPR at Highbury, he curled one in the top corner. Now we waited yeah. to see it, but. We got there
0: eventually. <laughs> yeah, it was a good goal. I remember, I can visualise it now, that goal. Yeah, it was a it was a good goal. And uh, Yeah, he didn't score many, but when they did go in, they were uh, were, were weldies. Um, now, the next person I think you're going to talk about, um, like, I remember this one, and this is a real sort of blast from the past, uh, but he was a really, really good player, um, and I hope you're going to say the one I'm, I'm thinking of. i are going to see you.
1: Was it? Was it the one where I had to rival you for Julian Dix for tackles in the garden?
0: Steph- yeah, it might be that one, yeah. Go on. Yeah.
1: Stefan Schwartz.
0: Yeah. Strong I mean,
1: midfielder.
0: He was a, yeah, he's one of your other favourites, wasn't he? He was a good player. Yeah, he
1: yeah. used to score a few goals, a few bangers. And um, yeah, like I say, he was a tough tackling midfielder. And I used to uh, try model my game with him a bit when I moved inside. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that's it. Yeah, adapted your game into uh, from Anders Limpar to Stefan Schwartz. So, uh, mm-hmm. but yeah, he yeah he was a good good player. Be interesting actually to look back. I don't know if you've done it to look how his career sort of turned out really, because he was for you like and you know from I was an Arsenal fan obviously I was a West Ham fan but because you're an Arsenal fan you liked him a lot. You know I used to sort of watch him play a lot as well. So it'd be interesting. I don't really know how his career panned out. I don't know. Do, do you?
1: Well, I don't know where he Harry got on after he left Arsenal to be honest. I just remember having an Arsenal shirt with his name on the back. I used to uh yeah proper like him as a player. Solid.
0: Yeah, he was a good good player, definitely. Um now we're gonna talk about the, the two Dutchmen as well.
1: Burkamp and Overmars. Burkamp, one of the greatest. Got a bit even from a West Ham fan's point of view. You're probably gonna say the Kenyon's better than I knew, but
0: <laughs> Well, I don't know. I mean like I think they're different. I think very similar, but different. I mean, Bergkamp, I don't know if you agree as an Arsenal fan, but Bergkamp sort of really changed the... Obviously, Wenger come in, but Bergkamp... I think, did Bergkamp come in under Bruce Rioch? Did Bruce Rioch buy him?
1: Yeah, he come in just before Wenger. Wenger yeah,
0: so, and he was he was like such a big influence, wasn't he, in who come to the club? Because at the time, really, it was a bit of a coup because... He'd played for Ajax and then gone to Inter Milan for big money. Hadn't really worked out in Italy. And then he'd come over to to England. And again, it was like, well, can he do it sort of thing? He's done it in Dutch football. He's struggled in Italy. Can he do it over in England? And it took him a while, actually. A bit like John Jensen. not as long. But it took him a while to get started, didn't it, really, Dennis Spurkamp? Yeah, no. I think his. I can't
1: remember when his first goal was. I'm sure it was against Southampton at
0: home. Yeah, um, it was, yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah no, but again that was a good goal once he kicked in he was just different class had the best touch I've ever seen and a vision like myself
0: <laughs> yeah yeah but he but it, like Ian Wright talks about him a lot doesn't he and just says like you know he loved playing with him like he just would put things on a sixpence for him and he'd score and, and stuff like that but yeah really good influence and yeah I mean like going back to the Di Canio thing I think uh, Di Canio was um, kind of a uh, you never really knew what you were going to get from DiCanio at times, but that was the exciting part as being a West Ham fan. Um, and more often than not, at home he performed, um, and away from home not so much. But but Dennis Bergkamp probably did it, I think, home and away, but not as much in Europe because he didn't like flying, did he?
1: No, he didn't. We had to get the coach everywhere, or yeah, everywhere, And yeah, no, that's probably one big thing which we missed. Like he jumped on the plane, and that he could have gone to games where, where he didn't travel.
0: Do you think he would have, because that's a good question actually I guess, do you think he would have done better in European competition in the 90s? He did quite well, I think there was a cup in cup in there somewhere, um, but do you think if Dennis Bergkamp had been available more you would have maybe kicked on a little bit more in Europe?
1: Possibly, we'd never know the answer to will we? But oh no. Yeah, yeah possibly, i like to think so. He was a proper class player so that's no, uh a shame that he didn't fly
0: there. Yeah. Uh, and then his, his mate, his Dutch mate, Marko from Ars, he was I mean, he's was a racket, isn't
1: he? I remember when he used to play for Ajax and I used to think, like, oh, such a good player, a really good player. And uh, I couldn't believe it when he signed for Arsenal. And yeah, again, over the few years that he was there, an amazing player. Left winger. It's... Goal at Old Trafford.
0: Yeah, he scored that famous goal, didn't he? I was going to bring that up. Yeah, that famous goal. He was just... Yeah, he he often terrorised West Ham's defence at times, I remember, with my season ticket years. And just so quick, he was just rapid. He could, like you said, he could score goals, he could create goals. He was both footed as well. Um, yeah, and he just sort of was a fixture in that team down the left-hand side, wasn't he? Uh, for During the 90s.
1: Yeah, no. I was... Definitely um, one of the greatest left wingers I've seen over there, along with Robert Pires.
0: Yeah, and limp Limpar, little Limpar, yeah, little can't forget him. <laughs> and then we're going to talk a bit about our French contingent now, because we talk about we got the two centre midfielders, Emmanuel Petit, and Patrick Vieira, and then your strikers, so um, Anelka and Omri. So let's talk about the centre midfielders first, because I think although. You know, Vieira stayed at a club longer, didn't he, than Petit? But, but those two together that season, probably prior, just prior to the World Cup '98, France '98, and sort of then the double winning year. And that. I mean, they were just unreal together, wasn't they, playing together?
1: Well, they was amazing. And I remember when we signed Petit, I just thought, who the hell is this guy? <laughs> and even Vieira, only. Uh, remember Patrick Vieira from Championship Manager? I right. be at AC. And he used to say on Championship Manager, used to be a midfielder or forward left. And I'm thinking, but like, when we signed it, thinking, like, who is this fella? Yeah. He played centre midfield and he's, like, again, it's got to be one of the greatest centre midfielders in the Premier League, like that the Premier League's ever seen.
0: Yeah, I think, yeah, definitely. Um, not. And longevity comes into it because he obviously played for a long time, but he played in very successful Arsenal teams, didn't he? Obviously, double winning side twice, um, including that invincible season. So, and ends up being captain. But Petit, I mean, when he first came in, I thought he was a left-sided player, left back or something like that. But he just, he, I think he, did, I think he did start there. I don't know. If you, correct me if I'm wrong. And then they sort of molded him.
1: Well, if you go by Championship manager again, <laughs> he used to be a like, defender left, defensive midfielder left. Yeah. Basically, playing down the left hand side. Yeah, and he came in as, well, I think Wenger made him, obviously, see him as a centre midfielder. And uh, uh, he got a career out
0: of him. I think them two playing together sort of helped their chances really to cement their, their place in the, the French team, do you, for that World Cup?
1: Yeah, definitely. When you're playing together in the league every, every single week, just like get that understanding, didn't you, when you're
0: together?
1: Yeah. A bit like me when you down the
0: left. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, what about uh, we, we've brought brought him up before? He's come up, he's come up in his podcast before, an Elka, because I was talking to Savier about him, because Savier um, obviously supports Paris Saint Germain, and he was, you know, first come through there, and we talked about the documentary. Have you seen the Nelka documentary on Netflix?
1: I've not seen it them,
0: I? No, it's really, really interesting But I mean, here's another one So do you, do you wish I mean, obviously we've, we've mentioned already Thierry Henry You're probably going to say no uh, To the answer to this question Because of Thierry Henry But do you wish Anelka had stayed around a little bit more Arsenal?
1: I gutted when he left Because he was quite young And he was you know, banging in the goals But I think we're fortunate That we had Thierry Henry Yeah he was another one. He was he was, Anelka possibly was a bad egg anyway, wasn't he? It was, when he moved on to other clubs. I know he was quite like, miserable. Uh, might have done us a favour getting rid of him and getting Thierry Henry in the end. So.
0: Yeah, I mean, and Thierry Henry was. Anelka sort of seemed to hit the ground running. Thierry Henry didn't as much, did he? And it took him a while. Because he came over from Italian football as well at Juventus, didn't he? He'd done well for Monaco. And played well for Juventus, and it hadn't really it took a while to sort of get going, didn't it, really, from Reeb? But what a phenomenal player he turned out to be.
1: The Wenger effect he pulled out the best in players, didn't he? So. Yeah. yeah. he definitely done
0: that with Thierry. Yeah, definitely. Um, now we're going to go into some other influences like from other teams. Um, you said, like, you remembered um, David Shinola who we spoke to with Sav about, and um, Tino Esprilla as well at Newcastle what do you remember from them then?
1: Mainly from them I just remember them Liverpool-Newcastle games
0: <laughs> The 4-3's <four threes.
1: laughs> Yeah the Newcastle team was so open and they used to like just fly forward and yeah, Ginola I loved him as a player till he went to Spurs obviously, Yeah then I stopped liking him but no he was a class player and Esprilla he was like you never knew what you were going to get from him but
0: he was a good player, wasn't he? he? was. I remember him... Do you remember when Newcastle... It sounds amazing now, thinking about it, looking where Newcastle went out, but um, when they turned Barcelona over at St James's Park, and I think he scored that trick that night, Fastino Esprilla, and it just unreal, unreal performance, and he had, it, he had it in his locker. He went
1: a bit loopy, I
0: think, in the after. Oh, yeah, I think he did. I think he was a bit loopy at the time as well. What a character, but... And then Middlesbrough as well. Middlesbrough, sort of, uh, you know, when they were playing at Ayrton Park in the late 80s, early 90s, and then they moved over to the Riverside Stadium, got some more money, the chairman there invested. Um, and they brought a lot of foreign imports in, didn't they? Including Janino and Ravinelli. Yeah, I
1: remember Ravinelli coming over, I was thinking, what's going on here? How's he going to Middlesbrough? He was, he was a big player, wasn't he, Ravinelli?
0: Well, we, we, we sort of talked about this, uh, we will talk about this again, but we used to watch a lot of Italian football, didn't we? And, and Ravinelli was like, he was scoring goals like for Juventus and like Serie A was like the league to be in, wasn't it, yeah. at the time. Um, But Giannino, I mean, brilliant player, wasn't he, Gian, Giannino?
1: Yeah, class, little midfielder. He run the show for midfield, didn't he? Very good player. But they had another Brazilian, didn't they, there at the time? Yeah,
0: Emerson. Was there another one with Granke? Was I I'm imagining it? Granke, left back. Yeah, didn't he go to? Yeah, I think yeah, you're right. I think he played left back for a while for him as well. But it's like they obviously went down one of those seasons as well, didn't they? Um, and Janino crying on the pitch at Leeds, but but he'd come back to Middlesbrough and he's you know uh, on loan at different times in his career. So um, yeah, he was a great player. And, and Ravenelli, Ravenelli, I think scored a hat trick on his debut. I think uh, against Liverpool. And he had that famous celebration, didn't he? The shirt over the head. The silver fox. The silver fox, yeah. (laughs) I always thought, like, he looks ancient. He's got grey hair. But he he could certainly play football. Um, I spoke to Tom about this, obviously. We're good friends with Tom. and um, We talked about Klinsman. You were on the same tour as us, wasn't you, obviously, in in 94 when we all did the Klinsman dive. Is that sort of what you remember and then him coming over?
1: Yeah, and we're... They come over to us when we, when well, that were, well, didn't they? they come to us, and we took them over to our lane to see Tottenham do
0: Yeah,
1: they to see and play, and it was the most boring game we've ever watched in our life, wasn't it? Nil nil.
0: I think it's nil nil. Yeah, yeah. I think you're right. Yeah, yeah he
1: was a good player. Clingman, liked him.
0: His goal record was really, really good as well. I haven't got the stats in front of me, but yeah, listeners can look it up. His goal records. Uh, for Spurs over two spells is really, really good. Um I think I think Mark chose him when we did episode nine in season one. I think Mark actually chose him in his team purely because of his goal record. Although he was there for a short amount of time, his goal record was really good. And then Christian Seeger as well, obviously German international, he had quite a good career as well. Obviously played went and moved to Liverpool after Spurs as well, didn't he?
1: Yeah, no, i remember him when he played for Bayern Munich, um, again, when he's gone over to Spurs and thinking, <laughs> what's he doing there?
0: Yeah. <laughs> solid Did player. he go, I can't remember actually, I might have got that wrong. Did he go from Bayern Munich to Spurs and then to Liverpool, or was it Bayern Munich to Liverpool then Spurs? Um, you'll have to look that one up. Yeah, I can't remember. I think maybe he went to Liverpool first and then he went to Spurs. And maybe that's why he thought, why nice to go to Spurs. <laughs> so he's played for Bayern Munich and Liverpool. I don't know. And then Chelsea were the big ones. Um, even before like the Abramovich years, they were the big ones of getting foreign talent in. Um, and we've got quite a list here. Um, i just rattle them off and you can talk about them. Like We had Sola, the Ali, Ruud Hullit, Dan Petrescu. Gus Poyer as well. They're the players you've sort of had a sort of an influence or you can remember coming over. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about them then?
1: Yeah, well, Zola and Biali, again, from our days of watching um, Italian football, they were really, really good players in that. And it was great to see them come over to me before, to be honest, because especially Zola.
0: Yeah. Really, yeah unreal. He was. He was. And football. he played for like... You know, Zola, when, when we were watching Italian football, he was playing for Parma, wasn't he? And they had some good players, Parma, they did. But they are not so, I think they're struggling now, uh, Parma in the Italian league. Uh, but Fiali, again, he played for Sampdoria, was well known. Uh, Juventus, I mean, Italian international. And probably just prior to them two was Ruud Hullit. And obviously we watched him Italian football for that great AC Milan time as well, with the late 80s, early 90s.
1: Well, I love being with you there. With his red he was. Yeah, he used to run the show, didn't he? He was a re- very good player.
0: Well, they it, he, he adapted, didn't he, when he went to Chelsea because he played as a sweeper at Chelsea.
1: Yeah, when he played at AC Milan before, he was more of a number 10, I believe.
0: Or, yeah,
1: behind like, like Basten and stuff like that. And, yeah, uh, did he go in defense at Chelsea or did he start, start midfield? From- I
0: think he might have played in midfield for a little while, but he definitely went back to play at sweeper. They... Glenn Hoddle went back to play player manager at Sweeper as well and then Hulig coming. in I think he come in under Hoddle I think Hoddle brought him in I think
1: He's got a good football in Brains so he obviously that's what you, they can do can't they mixed can drop into defence Yeah He's that good a player he could do that so.
0: Yeah he did that successfully Dan Petrescu got in my alternative 11 I remember um, he was he was a good player when they Dan Petrescu I
1: don't remember where he came from just uh, I don't remember where Poirier come from but yeah, they was, I just remember them being very good players. Well, Chelsea were a good team at the time, weren't they? So. Well,
0: Dan, Dan Petrescu come over, and I think he played he played with Sheffield Wednesday first and then went to Chelsea from Sheffield Wednesday. Um, Gus Poirier, I can't tell you. I, I don't know. I'm not sure. Um, I think he might have been playing in Spanish football, possibly.
1: Yeah, he, and you know what? I think he'd gone from Zaragoza, actually. The old Zaragoza.
0: Yeah, rings a bell. But,
1: yeah, no, he had a very good
0: career, didn't he? For Yeah, he's yeah he scored some good goals, didn't he? And then we come on to Man United. We spoke about this with on a previous podcast with Paul and, and Louise as well. Um, like Eric Cantona and Peter Schmeichel. Peter Schmeichel probably along as you're an Arsenal fan as well, and it'd be hard to call, but the two great goalkeepers of that period, David Seaman and Peter Schmeichel, he'd probably get into most. 1 to 11, 20. Peter Michaels the goalkeeper. Yeah, you wouldn't get in mind, but. No, you'd you, you put Seaman in, wouldn't you? <laughs> but but yeah. Cantonar as well. I mean, it was like, I think he was on loan at like Sheffield Wings or something, and Leeds picked him up. And then he's just really, for no money at all. Like, even back then, it wasn't really seen as a lot of money, and just had an unreal time, didn't he, for United? Yeah, no, he was one
1: hell of a player, yeah. He had an attitude and mark on him, didn't he? But that's what made him a good player. He was scored some fantastic goals. He certainly knew how to become a fan. <laughs> <laughs> he did, yeah. But, yeah it,
0: so. The thing is, and going back to like De Canio as well, like you think these players, they did have previous, because I did have previous in France as well, you know, of of kind of like violent sort of conduct and things yeah. like that. And sometimes you just have to take a chance on those players, don't you? And, and Man United, although that happened at Man United with the fan and, and he got you know got the ban and things like that. But he was kind of, I think he would get in most one elevens, United one for elevens during the nineties, definitely. Oh, well,
1: easily, yeah, he definitely would. Yeah, I think that's what Arsenal would for, need now—one of them players, a Maverick.
0: Yeah, yeah, I I know what you mean. Like I'm I'm like that with West Ham as well. I always think I like the fact that we're built on like the way we're built now with um stability and we defend from the front and things like that. But I like I do like I'm just excited about like what Ben Rama can do now as a West Ham player and I've always liked those players and we haven't had that really since twenty sixteen when Pyatt was there. And I think you're right with with Arsenal. You've watched the great teams, the invincible sides—Pires, Lundberg, Vieira, Omri—you know, like Omri, you know Bergkamp—all these sort of flair players. But they could put it about as well. You know, they looked after themselves as well, didn't they? Yeah, no, they did.
1: I'm um, going to ask you a question. Your West Ham ones. Who's your West Ham favourite foreign import? Um.
0: Ludo, at early Ludo has to get in there. Yeah. Ludo definitely. If I'm talking 90s, I'll say Ludo. Ludo was actually signed by Lou Macari in the late 90s. Um, sorry, the late, late late 80s. And yeah, he was. He got in my uh, Hammers one to eleven that I did the other week as well. Um, absolutely love Ludo, as you know. Like I, I, had a goalkeeper top as well. I was never a goalkeeper. You were at times, were not you, James? Uh, but you know, there's a picture of us with you've got your Arsenal goalkeeper top and I've got my West Ham one Ludo, I loved it. Um it just yeah, he was probably him. Um, who else did we have in the it would have been DiCanio as well. Probably they're the main two from the um the nineties. But we had loads come over, as you know, like you know, Paolo Futro played for us for a while. Um Marco, Marco Bugas come over Got sent off against Man United Wiped Gary never out I never saw him again He ends up in a caravan somewhere um, some and then, But we did Samassi Abu But you laugh about something Like Samassi some Abu chipped in with some good goals actually like, um, We had some really good ones That sort of come over Like Hugo Porfirio Was another one um, That I enjoyed watching In the 90s I remember him scoring a goal at Wrexham Going back to Wrexham um, In the snow and they could play with the snow, and it was an orange ball. And, um, yeah, he lobbed the goalkeeper. That was quite an iconic goal. Darnie endeared himself to West Ham fans because he scored against Spurs. Um, so, yeah, but I think probably say Ludo and Di Canio were probably the standout ones for me in the 90s, definitely. And then going forward, you know, into year 2000s and things like that you're looking like Tevez obviously for his influence over a short amount of time and then Pye, I mean I haven't seen anything you know Piatt was just unreal you know so they're the ones I'd probably say Do
1: you remember over West Ham Dagger and in a friendly where your dad offered samasi a his gloves because he was rubbing his hands because it was so cold
0: I can't remember that I'll have to speak to my dad about that I can't remember it Yeah, ask him after this. I will do. Yeah, I'll ask. I'll ask him that. Yeah, but um, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. Samasi Abou did used to do that a lot. My dad did though, didn't he? He used to say, "Keep it tight at the back lads
1: didn't
0: he? When we uh when we conceded when we scored a goal uh in our EMH days. But yeah, I mean, like foreign imports, we've talked about an awful lot of good players. I mean, there's plenty more, definitely. But um, no, thanks for sharing those ones. Um, And then we're going to go into topic four now in the nineties as well was good for a fan because there was acceptable England success. We talked about this in the last episode, so we won't talk too much about this listeners, but so we talked a lot with Johansson, and um, Mark about this. So it was up and down really. So we had a successful 1990 world cup. Then Euro 1992 wasn't that great. And then we had Euro 90. We didn't qualify for 94. Um, Euro 96 was successful, and then France 98 was relatively successful as well. I mean, what are your key memories probably from, from all of those tournaments, James? 1991st.
1: Uh, um, that's my first ever World Cup that I remember. And that was probably, in my opinion, the best World Cup.
0: Yeah. Last to say. 18. Yeah, I think it will be for us. I think nothing will ever sort of beat that really. Even if England won it, I think it would still be in modern day because it was our first real one, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, and I, I remember like the, the joys of David Platt scoring the goal. I just remember yeah. like what happened and the devastation of when when we missed that penalty in the semifinal was like it, it probably hurt
0: <laughs> yeah it did yeah no I remember it yeah yeah just like uh, obviously I talked to Italian 90 with Andy on one of these podcasts as well and we talked about it and it was just like it was just so frustrating because you know and it was just that everything didn't it because like you know Gaza's tears and and everything like that it was just it was just a very iconic World Cup and then we had sort of that It looked like, you know, we could potentially do anything after that and we qualified for Euro 92, but it was just... I don't know, what do you remember from Euro 92?
1: Literally, I do not remember nothing England-related in Euro 92. The only thing I can remember about Euro 92 was probably the final.
0: (laughs) Yeah, but do you remember the game that sort of effectively knocked us out in the group stage against Sweden, that commentary, go back to commentators, when they went... Broline to Darlene to Broline to Darlene to, Darlene to Broline and then Broline scored. Do you remember that?
1: No, you've said it. I remember the actual goal as well. Yeah, I remember yeah. It.
0: it's a good goal actually to be fair. And then we talked about that in the last one about um, Alan Smith Arsenal as well. We'd come on for Gary Lineker and Gary Lineker was chasing the, the goal record wasn't he from Bobby Cholton um, and he got taken off and that was pretty much his career done wasn't it for England and Gary Lineker.
1: Yeah, which was a shame. Especially when you're chasing the game you don't take him off the
0: effort. Oh, no, he's nearly, nearly your all-time top goalscorer. And then that documentary, the Graham Taylor one, I mention it again. Yeah, people just remind yourself of that. I mean, it's such a good watch. And that qualifying campaign was just ended up being a bit of a disaster. And we didn't qualify for 94 World Cup. And I remember, obviously, it being USA 94. Do you remember? You still watched it, though, didn't you? I think I remember watching it. It was always late at night, early hours in the morning, wasn't it? Yeah, no, I remember,
1: remember watching quite a bit of that, actually. Um, Mainly watching Ireland, I remember yeah. Ireland. Ray Houghton
0: <laughs> Yeah that goal against Italy wasn't it When you see Ireland at the World
1: Cup And you think how are we not there
0: yeah. Yeah. yeah I think we sort of did Sort of adopt Ireland if I remember rightly I remember like little things like John Aldridge going mad at the fourth official On the sideline that you know They weren't going to let him on the pitch and stuff like that That was quite iconic as well I think it was an and for me, it was like I liked the the Brazil team with Romario and Bebeto, Um but then you had um, like Italy with Roberto Baggio, and we grew up watching Roberto Baggio, didn't we? Like Italian uh, Italian football.
1: Yeah, I remember the the final World Cup. It was quite a boring final, to be honest, wasn't it? It but, was, yeah. Uh, and the penalties in there. Uh, yeah, right. how Baggio was. Unfortunately, he must have been watching David Batty.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it. He was watching David Batty, yeah. Um, yeah, they, they, Yeah, it was a great World Cup. and He sort of carried them through, uh, but England weren't there. And then we had Euro 96 and, yeah, it was just good times, wasn't it? I mean, I think we probably, we might have even, I can't remember specifically, but we must have probably watched games together at that point. Now, I can't
1: remember where I watched them. Well, I should imagine we did. Um, how old were we then?
0: <laughs> 14, 13, 14.
1: Maybe. No, uh, uh, I can remember it so well. Just remember the, the atmosphere in England. Just buzzing when it every when you went outside, it are buzzing. Watching the games, just different class. And I thought we were going to go on and win that. Even when we got knocked out, just typical, typical England, I suppose.
0: Also. I can't believe it either and we we kind of we have to obviously we talked to Tom about this as well we've mentioned it today about like our Germany tours and we're still in touch with people we knew aren't we from over in Germany and and uh yeah that was kind of um difficult to take as we lost to them and stuff like that so um but yeah it was relative success and Gascoigne again was influential France 98, we haven't really talked about this tournament. We talked a lot more about it in the last episode, actually, and it's one that should get probably more of a mention, really, because I actually do believe that, I mean, Glenn Hoddle, I think he was ahead of his time in, in how he played. We, he changed from that rigid sort of 4-4-2, four, four, um, and we sort of sort of started adopting the more of a three at the back and things like that. He was thinking about wing-backs and sort of shifting from a five to a three and things like that. And I honestly believe if we'd had a little bit more like, because like Owen, we talked about Owen as well, was relatively unknown in that tournament to everyone else. You know, if we just got through the Argentina game, I know France obviously, looking back now, what a team they had, but France wasn't expected to win that either. You know, I know they were at home, but they wasn't expected to necessarily win that tournament. So do you think... Do you think we had a chance, or do you think I'm sort of being a bit overly romantic about it?
1: Well, when you look at the other teams, I, I never really fancied us to win it. But when you had Michael Owen on the form he was on, he was class, wasn't he? Like just come on the scene and surprised everyone, or well, maybe not Liverpool fans. Nice, no. first But yeah, you know, Argentina couldn't cope with him. And maybe if we had got through, we might have given that France's defence a a roasting, I reckon. Because they wouldn't have known what to do with him.
0: Well, that's the thing, isn't it? And it's when you have a relatively unknown player that, you know, you you use that wire And I think Glenn Hoddle did do that. And then obviously, you know, that goal against Argentina is. Is quite iconic and then but we go out to penalties again david batty paul links missed the penalties and paul links the paul Lynx story as well goes back to 96 doesn't it because he never volunteered did he to take a penalty and so he's taken one in 98 and he's missed anyway so would he have missed in euro 96 maybe
1: yeah. i googled who missed the other penalty i remember david batty missing um, I yeah
0: so
1: i did have a check to see uh who it was and i see it was Paul <laughs>
0: Yeah, Paul, uh, Paul it he, he goes. Yeah, it does go back to that Euro '96. You know, he never sort of put his hand up for one, but maybe that was the reason why. Maybe he felt like he, you know, he wasn't confident to do it. You don't take a penalty if you're not confident. Yeah. Well, oh yeah. You got yeah.
1: to
0: yeah, that's true. Yeah, uh, we've seen some dodgy penalties, but it was relatively. I think for us growing up, it was it was sort of an exciting time, wasn't it? Really, it was. Although it was sort of a bit up and down, but it was relatively like good England success, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, no, definitely. We I mean, yeah, we always done done fairly well in the tournaments, but just just wanted to see us push on.
0: Uh, yeah, to, to... two semi-finals and a quarter final. Yeah, I think looking at what we had to, we've had to endure since apart from twenty eighteen. I think not bad growing up, really. No,
1: it was probably definitely the best spell for England when it's.
0: Yeah, oh, definitely, like a bit more, bit more consistent. Um, now, also while the nineties was great, and you picked out some really good ones here. Some I remember, some I don't. We're going to talk about football adverts as well because they they're still big now, obviously. they you know, there's. But I don't know I don't watch them now and think Oh that's an amazing Football advert like, But those ones that Back in the day That we watched In the 90s Were were quite good I mean I talked to Yo briefly about this As well on the episode But Scott Parker The old McDonald's one
1: Yeah doing his Little kick ups I remember that And I did think For a while oh, Where's that player Because I used to hear That Scott Parker Was going to be A big player And all that and finally, like he come on the scene. I think he was at Cheltenham with Johannes, wasn't
0: he? Yeah, that's right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I remember a story that Johannes said actually on might have been the first podcast, how uh, Scott Parker changed his game. Or was that? Yeah. Like? I don't know. But yeah, how he wasn't a tough tackle in the field and everything. And all of a sudden, one day, he got proper stuck in and changed his whole game and he made it from there. But yeah, that I, I always remember that.
0: Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, McDonald's. That's probably why I remember it more than anything was the McDonald's rather than Scotty Parker, probably <laughs> back in the day. <laughs> I used to like a McDonald's, <laughs> um, but this one's really good. I remember this one: the uh, World Cup '98, Fran- just before France '98. It was the Brazil in the airport, wasn't it? Yep.
1: Yeah. yeah. Uh, Romario, Ronaldo, the Nilsson, Roberto Carlos. I mean, you couldn't imagine an England team attempting to do after stuff. <laughs> I'd have done many, I hope,
0: but uh, they, was, they could do it was known as the showboaters, wouldn't they, Brazil, so. Yeah. It sort of summed them up, really, didn't it? It was like, because I remember when we were growing up, and we went on holiday a few times together, like when we were younger, and we would have had a ball at some point, and an airport kicking the ball back, because we were bored of like, a delay or something like that, and uh, to see them do it, I think that's why, I think that's why that's sort of stuck in your memory and stuck in mine. Um. Because it was, yeah, it was just fun watching them. And, th- and like you said, they were known for like, their showboating and, you know, being Brazilian and things like that. And, yeah, it was a great advert, wasn't it?
1: You even had uh, Cantona on that advert as well, sitting in the plane, I don't know if you remember, when they went out on the tarmac.
0: Oh, was Cantona in the plane, was he?
1: Yeah, he like looked out and raised his eyebrows. I? <laughs> <laughs> all,
0: right. all right I'll have to, I'll have to watch that bit I can't remember that bit I remember the music as well we talked about like the commentators like that voice section in your, your memory but yeah I remember the, the song as well I won't sing it don't worry everyone <laughs> um, then we had Southgate he missed his penalty in Euro 96 so it's the pizza hut wasn't it
1: yeah with uh, Chris Waddle and Stuart Pearce yeah penalty misses Southgate <laughs> he took it well didn't he went on the advert and uh
0: yeah, it was the he had the bag over his head, didn't he?
1: Yeah, round bag over his head.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think you have to sort of do end up doing something like that, and I don't think people took it too seriously or to heart. I think that was just like felt sorry for him really, oh, yeah. and like you he said, he's just been a good sport there, hasn't he? Yeah, no, took it well. This one I can't quite remember. Uh, you have to remind me a couple of them. Nike Good versus Evil.
1: Yeah, they're playing um, just a match of players be devils, and I think it yeah, just Nike adverts. that had like, Maldini, Cantona, Ian Wright, Patrick Cliver, Ronaldo, and the mighty Ian Wright. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, don't They're just playing against a bunch of devils now, and the devils are taking them out. And it ended with Cantona smashing the ball through the devil. You must remember
0: that one. Know, I'm gonna have to look this one up. I'm definitely going to have to look this one up. But if this goes to listeners as well. Look them up. They're probably on YouTube, by it, aren't they? Well, probably are, yeah. But it must have iconic. Cantona stepping up. I think he said
1: uh, au revoir and smashed it through.
0: <laughs> and and yeah, he, he had previous and R, didn't he? So, uh, yeah. So, uh, there might have been a, a little link to what he did previously. <laughs> but yeah,
1: that one. John
0: Barnes, Lucas, 8-Sport.
1: Yeah, I remember the advert. Um not too clear. it's not really a advert or nothing like that, but it's just one that I, I remembered. Along with you yeah, know, like Gary Lineker's Walker's adverts as well. Do you remember? Yeah. Oh yeah.
0: He's still doing them today, isn't he? So he's made made loads of money out of that, I guess.
1: <laughs> yeah, those
0: ones are quite sort of sort of famous ones, aren't they? Lineker and the Walkers and uh, yeah John Barnes advertising Luke says sport makes sense football are sportsman um, yeah, adverts were just yeah really good adverts I remember I think we were just watching football all the time changed we? when we were growing up, and I think you know having those things it just it just seemed to get bigger and bigger all the time. so not only was it the sky sports coverage that you were watching or going to a game live or playing, it was like well it's even ad- adverts as well, and that's sort of stuck in your mind.
1: We were just of holics, weren't we? But like, I tell my son now, like, what we every five minutes, every spare opportunity we had, we'd go out in the garden. I'd be around yours. We'd go to the park. We'd always have a kick around with a ball. And I think kids are today just computer based, aren't they?
0: Yeah, up. I mean, we come onto computer after um, in this this podcast. But you're right. I think nine times out of ten, it was us with a ball. Like I said. Even probably in an airport waiting for a flight, you know, like the, Bra- I'd say, yeah, like the Brazilians, that's what we were like. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> that's it. Um, but yeah, we're going to go on that. Now, this program's still on TV. We're going to talk about some programs that were on in uh, the 90s. Just before I start on this one, I'm just going to remember, um, do you remember uh, like Satan Greavesy in the late, late 80s, early 90s, that program? Not
1: very well. I do sort of have a vivid um, uh, memory from it.
0: Yeah, it's like, I, I always remember like Greasy going like it's a funny old game, saying like that famous line. My dad says that a lot as well. That line, it's a funny old game. So uh, yeah, that one was like I, I remember that sort of late nineties, early uh, sorry late eighties, early nineties. But this one was like again, it was like we just watched football all the time. Soccer, I am was like really good wasn't it back in the day like it was a three hour show wasn't it and it had Helen Chamberlain and Tim Lovejoy on do you want to talk a little bit about that what you remember from that
1: yeah I remember the old um the main thing I remember that is a soccer, soccerette me <laughs>
0: <laughs> um it wouldn't be allowed now would it like it's just it's funny how times change but but then again it was I don't know I think it was Pretty innocent, wasn't it? I don't know. It was, it was innocent, but
1: yeah, these days they wouldn't get away with after what they do. So.
0: No, every be... time
1: That used to be in my morning used to wake up, watch that. But sometimes with um, like the next program we'll go on to Italian football. I used to I remember that used to interrupt that program sometimes. I used to sort of flick over for an hour. Yeah, to Italian football. I don't think
0: it back to soccer. am yeah. go between the both, but it was. It was really good, like the funny sketches. Like, I remember, do you remember the Save Chip campaign? <laughs>
1: yeah, I did. And that
0: actually <laughs> went around all the grounds, sent it with people with like um, the old placards and all that saying, Save Chip. And I think the story was, they've made up this story, do not know, About the, they've done like a, a fan writing in or something saying, like, they've made it all up, a funny sketch. Um, and he said his missus won't let him go and watch football and stuff like that. So it's like this campaign to let Chip go and watch his. And watch football live, and it's just around everywhere, wasn't it? It was like, and that's that was the hold Soccer AM had over a lot of things that were happening in football at the time.
1: Every football fan watched it, didn't they? Um,
0: yeah, even, like they had fans of the week, didn't they? Every week, where a different set of fans went on there, yeah. I mean, they still do well, they're not doing it at the moment, obviously, because of Covid, but I do check in a little bit. There's certain things. It's just not not as good as where it used to be. They do, you know, the drill and things like that. Jimmy Bullard does that. I quite like that. Um, But, like, you know, you remembered, like, Offenders is still on there in Tubes. Tubes is very different to when he first started out on it, but Rocket was on it as well. Rocket was kind of like one of the main ones alongside Helen Chamberlain and Tim Lovejoy, really, like from the start, wasn't he? Yeah, I I don't really watch it anymore. So I
1: don't know. Is he still on there now?
0: I don't think Rocket is anymore, no, Fenners, Fenners presents, doesn't he, with, um, with Bullard, but he used to do funny sketches, isn't he, Fenners, doing the, um, the wheat sheaf, And that right, in the pub. Do you remember that one? No, I
1: don't remember.
0: No, look it up, it's funny. <laughs> uh, Showboating section
1: they've done, skill
0: school. Skill school was Rocket, when not it, he used to go. Yeah, I remember that,
1: he used to try a few of them skills, failed <laughs> miserably.
0: Yeah. No, that was good. They were sort of good characters. You had um, Sheephead as well. We used to do the uh, the weather as well. And he used to go always say light drizzle, didn't they? I remember that one. Yeah, for like three hours long it was. Dance-off. Do you remember the dance-off they used to do as well? I we used to love that. Every year, around Christmas time, on like New Year's Eve or day or something, they used to do the dance-off.
1: Yeah, no, I vag- vaguely remember that. They um, didn't used to do that at the start, did they? I think that- got brought
0: into it I think they got brought in that might be might have just touched upon late 90s but maybe into noughties maybe Um, but yeah that was really good but yeah TV programs we just like you said we just um, just absorbed anything with football didn't we anything that was football we absorbed and we you sort of mentioned already the Gazetta Football Italia with James Richardson uh, Paul Elliott as well ex-player who played out in Italy as well he used to sort of do some of the commentary as well and it was sort of built around Gascoigne going over there, wasn't it? Oh, hence, Gazetta Football Italia. Um it's yeah, and, and we we just watched it, didn't we, as as kids?
1: We used to have such good players playing over there at the time. And I think that's probably Italian football's peak. And it had the likes of Van Basten, um, reichard Ricard, Jean Pierre Papin, Bauban, Borese at Milan. Then you had I used to love Lazio. Um, Giuseppe Signori Alan Boxett, Kielo Yeah Guaragi. Obviously,
0: it Used to be so good You love them Dave It did used to be good And it was It was sort of um, We were watching it When You know The Premier League Had just started out Sort of thing So that was the league To We've mentioned players Like Zola and Viali And you know Obviously they were playing the Serie A When we were first watching it and, and English players Were going over there To play like Des Walker And David Clare and Gascoigne after the, you know, Italia 90. Um, but yeah, like, I think, yeah, we had, I think both of us sort of had a, f- a fondness, didn't we, for Lazio, I think because of the Gascoigne thing, and Signore was brilliant, wasn't he? He used to do that one-step run-up for his penalties, didn't he? Yeah, that's
1: what I used to do in your garden, I remember. I used to model my little penalties on
0: that. <laughs> yeah, that's it, yeah, model your parent um, your penalties on, uh, on Signore. Um but, yeah, and then AC Milan were quite successful, wasn't they? Like, they had a successful team. Like, that, that team in the 90s, But they were just a brilliant team, weren't they?
1: Unbelievable. They were great to watch. And one, well, I remember one of my favourite goals, um, Marco van Basten over red kick at the San Siro.
0: Oh, yeah. Do you remember that one? Yeah, I do remember that, yeah. He
1: was one of my favourite players of all time, van Basten.
0: Yeah, Van Bast- and he retired, like, 28, didn't he, Some injuries and that. I mean, imagine, you know, if he'd stayed playing for another 10 years or whatever, the, the sort of the goal- his goal record was, like, superb, he's a great player. Um, and, like, Italian football was just good. Like, I you know, just, like, what you-, you said about, you know, Saturday mornings, but you used to watch a live game on a Sunday as well, we come back from football um, in the morning and play. And then you just watch Italian football in the afternoon and like Sunday afternoon, a live game. But you had like really good teams. Like, you know, Fiorentino had a good team. So like Battistuta and Rui Costa.
1: Yeah, and like you mentioned earlier on, Palmer, they were good. Uh, um, Thomas Lean up front.
0: Yeah, Ferron. Yeah, I
1: think was, uh, the time of that maybe a bit... I can't remember if Freshman was there then. But they also moved on, didn't they, in the early days? He was there from a
0: yeah young age. I mean, Sampdoria were quite a quite a good team as well. You know, um, I think Mihailovich played for them for a while as well. Had some, it was just good to watch. It was um, yeah, I just liked liked watching it. Um, and it, yeah, we just grew up with it, didn't we? Really, I think. And uh, and there was some some great teams there, and and that, and uh, I think. Yeah, it was just our love of football, really. It was like whatever you can get. It was just like, oh, watch Italian football, English football, a bit of funniness with soccer AM, football adverts, just just anything kind of that made the 90s great for us, really. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, and I move on to another program as well, Fantasy Football. Now, this one, like, this was very 90s, so. You look back at this now, and it's not very PC and things like that, but that was with like Skinner and Badil. And then you had Stato and and Jeff Astle. Um, and Stato being one man, like you think about all the stats now in football and stuff like that, but you know, it was just one man they had behind the counter in his dressing gown, uh, coming up with all the stats each week and, and things like that. And then Jeff Astle used to come under the index footballer and sing. Uh, at the end of the, but I always remember like Phoenix from the Flames when they used to recreate goals as well. They used to be really funny, funny clips. And then it sort of culminated in like three lines with the light, lightning seeds, obviously. They brought out that song, which was, you know, massive and still is to this day. And this sort of program was sort of, it was the idea was if you watch the, the clip of, um, when it starts and that It's about them being like a f- The football managers And then they They picked a team And they had their guests Pick teams as well And they used to work out Who was top of the leaderboard So it was both, like So what we do now Like with uh, You know like Premier Fantasy Premier League On our apps And things like that It was sort of Born out of this concept Really That's what I found as well I mean what do you remember From it Do you remember like The Phoenix and the Flames Things I guess Some of them yeah,
1: no, I do you The other day I... I ain't really got a good memory of that. But when you're talking about things, then sort of yeah, coming back to me, like I can remember them recreating all the goals and everything like that. But, you know, I remember I used to watch it, but you know, I ain't got a great memory of it, to be honest.
0: Yeah. I sort of wanted to sort of mention it in in, a, in the respect of that kind of that fantasy football and becoming a manager, because we've all got, our fantasy Premier League teams going on, and, and I'm guessing after this podcast, you'll go and check yours just as I will to see how many points I've got. I haven't done one
1: this year, to be honest. Uh,
0: have you not done one this year? That's the first for you. One of the first times I haven't done one for a while. So. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I, I'm doing all right in mine. I'm top, so uh, it's yeah, it's quite good. That's why I brought it up. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, we're going to obviously about football as well. We're talk. We're going to go on to computer games now because again. We were out playing football most of the time in going back, uh, go back gardens over the park um, and just enjoying playing and stuff like that and watching football. We used to play football as well. We're just going to go through your first game, first of all, that you can remember, James.
1: World Cup Italian 90 game it was. The camera yeah. was a players. And if you go on YouTube and listen to it, I do not know how I played the game. <laughs> My God, it does your head in. But, no, it used, I remember it used to be brilliant, but looking back at it now, it looks very poor.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's the thing, isn't it? I think, I mean, I mentioned this one to you as well on the SNES, um, and you you were like, oh, I can't remember that. And then I sent you the clip, uh, striker.
1: Yeah, as soon as you said about indoor football,
0: yeah.
1: And I had a memory of that game. Always used to score in exactly the same way. Yeah. Yeah shooting the fire corner
0: <laughs> yeah, without foul, it always used to go in and when when you you scored like goal come up, flashed up on a screen didn 't it, and then like if you missed or oh, great save used to flash up on a screen, and um yeah I remember remember playing that game as as a youngster, and then another one on the SNES was sensible soccer now this one um, I remember going to blockbuster video, I never bought it stupidly I don't know why I never bought it because all I used to do was go down there rent it and then I used to say to my dad dad can I rent that again and I must have rented that game for about six months to a year why I didn't just buy the game I don't know but again there was one way to score on that as well wasn't there yeah I
1: remember you have to run away from the goal didn't you
0: yeah
1: and if it's a hit shoot
0: you used to go in the far corner yeah <laughs> and and sometimes from the halfway line as well you could score that goal yeah and that was good because it was like a bird's eye view wasn't it and looking down the players were tiny weren't they
1: yeah But
0: striker was like that as well but bigger
1: even now I'd probably still play central soccer because I just loved it it was such a good game
0: it was so quick wasn't it it was like you were just down one end <laughs> so quick it was just like non-stop that one was really good this one sort of Yeah, we really enjoyed this one, didn't we? It was international superstar soccer first of all, when it ISS, and then it sort of moved over into Pro Evo. Evo, yeah,
1: Um, yeah, international superstar soccer. I think yeah, the international superstar soccer deluxe after that. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, that used to be. I remember just playing it because that was like the next thing up from incentive soccer. Yeah, you're like, wow. Look at the, uh, the graphics on this.
0: <laughs> yeah. The graphics were compared. Yeah, the graphics were unreal, weren't they? Like that one, particularly International Superstar Soccer Deluxe, as you said. Like, it was. It was like, oh, my God, like, the graphics are amazing. Yeah, no, it was one of like,
1: the best games of the 90s. It
0: had to be. There's... Yeah. And you could play it on the arcades as well, couldn't you? When you went to the arcades, that they had that game as well. And I think that was what appealed to it as because well, it was on a bigger screen as well you think kids now wouldn't understand would they like your, you, you know, your boy wouldn't, wouldn't understand it like we've watched on a little screen but when you went to the arcade it was a bigger screen it was like this is amazing
1: yeah, you just can't believe what you're seeing can
0: you <laughs> no that's it yeah but yeah that was a really good game but they didn't have the proper players did they as no, in names.
1: it names Used to have... I'm trying to think of a name off the top of my head like Batty Stuter would be called like I don't know Batty Statter or something like that. They used to just... Change oh,
0: ba- you know it Batty, not Stuta. David Batty Stuta. <laughs>
1: yeah. Just things like that. Where there's like a couple of letters mixed around and...
0: Yeah. And then when we were going to Pro Evo, we had like players like Roberto Larkos instead <laughs> of Carlos. Yeah, Pro Evo
1: was... That was my favourite game, I think, of all time. Yeah. Even when um, FIFA come out. I remember a lot of people used to love FIFA, but I was... Still a pro Evo man for a good four or five years after FIFA come out, and it's only recently, probably, Well, not recently because I don't really play computer games now. But yeah, um, trying to think what
0: into the two thousands I think was when yeah. FIFA sort of took over a little bit, wasn't it? Because it was, I don't know, it was just it just seemed to just. Take up a notch, a uh, gear in it at FIFA. But yeah, Pro Evo was was really good. We really enjoyed that. We played some competitions, and you probably want to bring that up then, yeah.
1: Yeah, I was going to say. I'm sure <laughs> I won a tournament around your house on Pro Evo. I'm sure it was Pro Evo.
0: Yeah, you did. I remember. I think you were Nigeria, I believe.
1: because oh, I had one really quick bloke up front. I can't remember. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: That's why, and I, I don't know, I, I we did a few of these tournaments, but I don't know in this one, if I was Brazil, because um, uh, Roberto Carlos did, you could take with his shot, because he scored an unreal goal, that free kick against France, you know, the free kick,
1: yeah.
0: you could do that on the game as well, so I think that's why, but I, I used to play with Croatia as well, and I used to put Robert Yarni up front, purely because what you said about the Nigerian quick player, you put a quick player up front, and that was a way to to do well in that game, wasn't it?
1: Can you remember who I played in the final or not? Was it? it
0: was it Cole.
1: I've got a feeling it was, yeah. So if you're listening, Cole, have
0: that. <laughs> I don't know. He might. He uh, He always used to crumble under pressure. He did. He was. I think he was the Netherlands. And uh, I don't even know if he got to the final. He might not have even even got there. Well, oh, I beat him.
1: Or here. was it? Oh
0: no, I think it was Chris. Chris uh played in it and he was Czech Republic, Yang Collar. Chris who? Heery. He went he went to school with us and he played in it. And he was Czech Republic. He used to um have Jan Collar up front, big Jan Collar. I think it was between you two actually. Uh, yeah, Yeah, I reckon Cole probably uh Bottled we'll it, probably. I don't know. Probably used that. Yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, but we used to do tournaments. FIFA, FIFA ninety eight come out, which was a good bit of a game changer, sort of uh, game wise. I think football game wise, and then probably now, I think um, when I sort of had an Xbox, going back probably ten years ago now. I think, like, FIFA, I was probably, I had FIFA, I think, um, and played that game. And I used to do competitions, actually, we talked about Cole as well, and this is Cole who was on, for our listeners, that was on uh, about the Sabutio episode and coaching. Um, We used to play play that as well, um, that game in competitions. And then Championship Manager, which then became Football Manager, I mean, again, it was just hours spent becoming a manager, wasn't it? Took
1: over my life, I think, for a little while.
0: <laughs> yeah, it did. Like, just brilliant game. It's hours and hours you spend playing it, and there was different ways of doing it. Obviously, you manage Arsenal. I'd probably manage West Ham, but you know, then you'd think, oh, could I take a non-league team all the way to you know the, the Premier League and stuff like that?
1: Yeah, I think when I used to play it as Arsenal, and they used to sort of sign all these youngsters, then you look at them and think, like in real life. Hold on a minute. I can't Arsenal sign this player? Yeah. <laughs> I always remember one player, Cherno Samba.
0: Right.
1: I remember on the game, on Championship Manager, he was magnificent. But I don't know what happened to him in real life. I know that's,
0: he's a meal <laughs> That's it, those players. Like Freddie Adu's the famous one, isn't he? Uh, yeah. From yeah. USA, yeah, the young player. And he sort of never hit the heights of... What he was doing on Championship Manager, you'd always look for like you know those twenties, weren't you, in their in their sort of makeup? What did as many twenties, 18s and twenties, or that you could get?
1: Yeah, he used to uh, do the scouting the players and that. He used to say like exciting prospect, and he used to think that one of them sign him. Nice and cheap. Yeah.
0: Did you used to think though it got a bit too technical?
1: It did. That's why I stopped playing it to be honest, because they just put too much stuff into the game. Yeah. It yeah, ended up taking too long to play
0: the game. So. He was properly becoming like the chairman as well, wasn't he? He was properly involved with everything. It's like building a stadium and, you know, the nutrition and all of that coming, didn't he? I think, and he just took too long. I used to just like get into the game, you know, play the game, you know, when he used to flash up, goal for West Ham or, you know, that was the exciting bit, wasn't it? Yeah, they
1: yeah, just went too far into it, didn't they? And...
0: Yeah. I think they're bringing it. I think they're probably back. Uh, obviously, I don't get time to play computer games anymore, as you said as well. But I think they're bringing it back, like the the old version, but with the newer players. I mean, that would be good to play that again.
1: Don't tell me that.
0: You'll <laughs> <laughs> be on it. Yeah, you're going to look it up after this. Uh, we're just going to go on to um, probably our final topic then, which is we just wanted to cover this one as well. Was that obviously? We've lived and breathed football. We loved it in the 90s. Um, We had a fair few kits as well, James. And you used to um, to get shirts from a certain place, didn't you?
1: Yep. Um, My dad used to take me once a month to Carnaby Street. I think it was called Soccer Scene. Used to have every single kit in the world in there. So, yeah, once a month he used to go and treat me to a kit. Used to get all the Lazio ones in there. Barcelona, Dad. Brazilian one like Sao Paulo and stuff like that at the time. Never used to watch Brazilian football, but you'd say, oh, what are these shirts? Yeah, <laughs>
0: yeah,
1: just, yeah it's great memory going in there all the time.
0: And then your fa- your favourite ones you've got. I mean, I remember when you had this the Arsenal Bruce banana. You're looking to get that back, aren't you? Actually, uh,
1: yeah, I think I am going to buy it again. Um, Bruce banana kit
0: was probably my favourite kit ever. I don't know what you think of it, it as West Ham fan. Oh, yeah, and uh, do you know one. what? I I actually quite liked it. Like as a kit But I think purely Because I used to see you Wearing it a lot So I just got used to it Sort of thing But I think it was a, Quite an iconic 90s kit Actually that, that Bruce Banana Arsenal shirt 91 to 93 um, Yeah I thought it was Quite an iconic Iconic shirt And then We talked about Goalkeeper tops earlier And then Lazio one You had like The early 90s Didn't you the, uh, You said The Bianca Di, Di Roma Sponsor That one
1: The one you're wearing Right now
0: but this one yeah this is Gascoigne yeah I thought I'd wear it for you yeah <laughs> so this is Gascoigne number 10 i got on the back of this I rebought it um I don't think actually i would tell a lie I didn't have this one I don't think when I was growing up um but yeah I, I bought it like Gascoigne number 10 um obviously liking Lazio and I knew you like Lazio as well so uh, hence I, I, I wore it when I went to Rome three years ago I bought the then current Lazio shirt as well actually um yeah, it's. I, I don't know. Well, I think it was probably we watched, we liked Lazio as the Gascoyne went over there. Um, obviously, English player, but yeah, like we mentioned, like Signori and players like that. Did you have Signori on the back of yours? Didn't you? Yeah, and no, I did have him on the back of one of them, number 11, I think.
1: Yeah, I think we
0: had
1: Boxic on the back of one as well.
0: Yeah, Alan Boxic. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, yeah, and then. This one, we had this, we both had this, didn't we? The 92, this is like three years, had this shirt. 92 to 95, it's unreal now. They get a new, new shirt every season that made these teams. But a greener way, the Barcelona one.
1: Yep. If you remember, we was on holiday. I don't know where we was, probably in... Gran Canaria? Yeah, it might have been Gran Canaria, something like that. And we both see this shirt over there. And, yeah, we both wanted it. And we both ended up getting it, didn't we?
0: <laughs> I think we got full kit. <laughs> <laughs> I think yeah, that, we that we merit, full kit. We did we did go for it back in the nineties. We uh, yeah, I think we got full kit, and um, we would have probably been wearing that full kit around the pool or on the beach as well. Uh, probably shin pads as well. Probably uh, we just loved it, didn't we? We just loved football. I mean, my my ones West Ham was my first shirt. Like eighty nine FCO was my first shirt. Uh, Relegation season actually, so not the most ideal
1: is that like Frank McIverney era?
0: Or... I think he might have gone at that point. He was more like 86. Um, I think David Kelly was there. He, he wore it. I remember David Kelly. I like David Kelly. And then 89-90 was BAC, the window people, that shirt. That was probably like the first one that sort of, then I was really into football sort of thing. And I also liked the West Ham had a white and blue um, stripes in 1991 Away shirt Yeah I remember that one Yeah quite a nice one A bit like Argentina It looked like <laughs> Didn't play like them But <laughs> But that was a nice one And then England 1990 I remember I've re that With 19 and back Gascoigne um, But yeah Had that one as well. Did you have that one England one um, 1990 um,
1: Possibly at the time I reckon I did I must have yeah. I want to go on to Worst kit of the 90s As well Oh go on about the shadow of a doubt, and if you remember it, Chelsea, orange and grey.
0: Oh, I do remember it with cores on it, wasn't it? Yeah. Herodic. Yeah. <laughs> Awful kit. Yeah, look that up, people. If you uh, get a chance, yeah, that Chelsea one. Yeah, it was uh, nasty. It wasn't wasn't a nice shirt at all, was it? I don't
1: know, design them kits and thought that looks nice, but.
0: <laughs> I know. And that's the thing that I'd like to probably. Um, look at kits in more detail there's a few of these subjects actually today and be able to look at them in a bit more detail because there was a lot of nice kits in the 90s but there was a few shockers as well and that was definitely a shocker definitely i'm sure there's more we could pick up yeah definitely um like that's been i mean that is for us and for our listeners that's why we you know the the title was why the 90s was great for fangs there was a lot going on um and not to say that there's not a lot going on now and things and very similar things going on but that was our childhood wasn't it, what we were growing up with and 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 like i said it was just everywhere there was always there was always football on or you were playing football or you were buying a kit or and it was it, it, that's why it was just a great period of time
1: yeah no i think then compared to now obviously we're older now and we used to love football even more when we played it when we were younger but I think football changed so much that, especially with all like VAR and all that coming into the game, I just struggle to watch football these days.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest. I watch, I watch West Ham games um, on the, obviously on the, the TV at the moment. Normally, I'd go like the season ticket, but I don't really watch the other games. Uh, I watched the um, the Barcelona PSG the other night purely because I was interested from a, like Sav's point of view, you know, as a PSG fan. So I watched that and um, I actually called it, actually. I, should have put, I don't bet, but I should have bet cause I said, oh, they're going to lose this 4-1 Barcelona uh, when it was 1-0. Um, and then back here, it was unreal. It was nice to watch him play and then Messi sort of, you know, whenever you get an opportunity to watch those players. But even England games at times, I think I saved that for major tournaments now because, I don't know, it just, it just doesn't... I don't know if it's age or if it's just the the way football is now. I don't know. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I'm the same. I can't remember the last England game that I watched. If any, the qualifiers are just pointless now. Um, Back then in the day, I used to love watching an England game. It used to look like it means so much more to the players back then than it does now.
0: Yeah, I just think that I think international football is like, I think there's so much money and so much riding on club football, that international football. Like, and they talk about you know those those England rivalries, don't they? Over the the years, like the Man United players and the Arsenal players and the Chelsea players not getting on, and, and they've, they've alluded to it like 2006 World Cup when they were the Golden Generation, like in inverted commas, and they underachieved, didn't they? Um, but now I think I think Southgate's got a good a good mix of it. I liked watching them in in the 20, 2018, when they come close. Um, and I think, I don't know about you, but I think they've probably got a good chance. I think they would have had a good chance last summer if it had gone ahead. And whether it goes ahead this summer, we don't know. But um, but yeah, I think they've got a good chance. I think they've got a nice balance.
1: Yeah, no, they've got good good young players coming through now, haven't they? So, yeah.
0: you
1: have always got a chance when you've got like Sterling, Kane, Foden. We're going to add Saka in there from Arsenal now. Yeah.
0: England. Well, Jesse Lingard, West Ham. So.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> um, Declan Rice, future England captain, there as well. So um, no, I mean, yeah, I think we have got a chance. I think, but I think for both of us, um, if a, the tournament comes about, uh, about I think we'll be watching it, won't we? So yeah, tournaments only. Yeah. No way. Yeah. but no, that's it. Look, first and foremost. Thanks, James, for completing season two of the Back in the Day podcast. Um, We're sharing why the nineties was great. Um, Yeah, thanks, thanks for coming on.
1: Cheers for inviting us on, and thanks for the uh, the badge that I received, which I'm wearing today for you.
0: (laughs) That's it. Yeah, before we save it to the end, Jed. Basically, for all of our listeners that uh, can't remember or I didn't know if they haven't listened to previous episodes. Um, we're sending out obviously, uh, I'm sending out pin badges for, um, people that appear and I sent, I sent James's one prior to coming on. So, uh, he's, he's got, he's wearing it proudly today and he's got, he's got 11 actually with a light blue top on it. It's like a a signori top actually, interestingly. There you go. Was that done deliberately? (laughs)
1: No, it wasn't. You should you have suggested. Yeah,
0: there you go. <laughs> and the the ba- the pink badge is Lazio colours as well. There you go. Um, look, yeah, brilliant guest. Um, like one of my sort of oldest mates. Obviously, we've known each other for a long time. It's nice to get you on. Um, but because we're at the uh, we're at the final episode of season two, so obviously we do ten episodes season one. Now this is the tenth of episode season two. I would like to thank previous uh, guests as well. So I'd like to thank Andy from episode one, Italia 90, um, for talking with me about my favorite World Cup and as it happens, James' favorite World Cup as well. Um, to Tom, to mine and James's good friend, Tom, who uh, was on episode two when the Spurs go marching in and remembering that Klinsmann dive that we talked about again today. And Gaza, of course, as well, those memories. Um, Sam from episode 3, 90s into 90s, an up and down period for West Ham um, Xavier episode 4, um, Alan Parry, Parrier Magique For giving back in the day the Fafa va um, and an insight into French football A Bit of theory i reading it, James, for you um, And then Cole episode 5, uh, which was coaching, building blocks to success coaching and Sabutio Insight into coaching plus cole re, um, rebuilding a nineties phenomenon for us as well. We haven't talked about that actually, but I did talk about that with Cole. Um, uh, as well as playing computer games, we'd have played a lot of Sabutio and he's rebuilding that with mini soccer builds as well, which is really good. Um have you have you have had a good look at that, haven't you, James?
1: Yeah, I've seen Cole's stuff, it all looks looks very good to be honest. Uh, yeah. Not, not into my Sabutio myself anymore, but no, could definitely.
0: rebuild it. Yeah, I
1: might might start
0: might start yeah. He's, yeah he's got a good thing going on there uh paul and louise episode six which was talking about 1999 and now they're going to party like it's 1999 which was comparing the 99 and 08 united team and 99 memories as well um another sam with episode seven who we talked about rule changes gone too far um so we talked about rule changes and var particularly and controversial decisions thank you to sam uh, thank you to uh, another Paul, um, who talked about uh, innovations, um, how, how the games developed, how players have developed, how the technology has developed, debating positives and maybe negatives of how football has developed. So thanks to Paul. Um, and then episode nine, which was um, on uh, a couple of evenings ago, which was Mark and Yo, who had an England 11 debate, um, and debating the best England 11 of the 90s, and creating a poll. Thanks to Mark for creating that poll as well, as we announced at the beginning of the episode. And finally, again, um, a big thank you to James for today's episode.
1: Otherwise, thanks for having us on, like I said. And, yeah, I'll come back and do another episode with you.
0: Yeah, that's it. We'll uh, hopefully be back for season three. I'd like to uh, thanks to all the listeners too. Shout out to my dad, Terry, uh, my Uncle Danny, who's my godfather. Uh, they always listen to episodes. Um, Donna's a big fan as well, who always listens to support. Um, and then I've got some new listeners as well as I've sort of, I've moved on to different platforms like Anchor and Spotify. Um, Michael always listens in on on Twitter um, and he always like kind of engages and is interested in it. So thanks to him. Um, and who can forget the Aussie boys as well, um, And many more that listen as well So it's been really good season 2 How it's grown So any of my listeners who would like to make any comments Share their own thoughts Who would potentially like to appear in a future pod um, Season 3 Then please email at PODBITD at gmail.com Or reach me on Twitter Follow me on Twitter At uh, PODBITD BITD is capital letters Or Instagram PODBITD That's all lowercase Give me a follow, retweet, share, etc. Get people involved. Um, all, the, all the episodes are in both bios on Twitter and Instagram. Um, I'm going to have a little break, as I did at the end of season one, but I'm hopeful of a season three return, as some people have already given me some ideas. Um, and James Stephen said today, as you just heard, he'd like to maybe come on and, and do another one, uh, maybe a debating one with a few people, potentially, James.
1: Yeah, get your hands on there. Get Tom Bright on
0: there. That's it. Uh, We can go proper old school, yeah. All known each other since we were four. We can maybe do something like that, potentially. Um, So why not, you know, everyone that is listening today, why not go back, as I'm having a break, why not go back and listen to past episodes? There's 20 now. um, So, yeah, and and please make comments and things like that. Um, I love to hear them. And it's nice to get new followers. I thoroughly enjoyed both season one and season two of the back in the day podcast. And I hope um, I can hand out more back in the day appearance pin badges uh, as James is modeling today. And I always say, and it is a bit tongue in cheek, but it's like an equivalent of getting your England cap. So, um, and you can be very proud if you receive one. Um, Yeah. So um, as I said, we're bringing season two to a close. You've been listening to back in the day. Thank you for listening Please pass the pod and also stay safe. See you soon, everyone.